Corey Haim was one of the biggest stars of the 1980s. On set, he met lifelong best friend Corey Feldman and the two became inseparable Hollywood superstars. As the years went on, Corey became consumed with drug abuse and dwindling opportunities. Corey Haim's rise was just as hard as his eventual fall. This week on Death and Entertainment. Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that have stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. Ah! What do you call this thing, anyway? Death in entertainment. And hello, everybody. Lordy, lordy, lordy. Here oh, we go. Welcome back. God, we are here again. I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah, with this weather, <laughs> what are we doing now? We should be uh, inside somewhere eating soup and uh, watching Friends. Yeah. Well, now <laughs> we're just a few friends talking about dead people. Oh. Hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> My name's Kyle Ploof. My name is Mark Mulcairn. And I'm Alejandro Dowling. Today, a, a big uh, story about Mr. Corey Haim, one of the top actors, child actors from the 80s that uh, got into a lot of trouble in life. Wait, yeah. you needed to add child actor. Yes. Because he wasn't just the top actor. Yes. He didn't make it into an adulthood as far as acting goes. He did, but like in a very sad way, Kinda. which we'll, we'll delve into <laughs> at some point here. Yeah. So, but he's not like a Leonardo DiCaprio, no. which he, you know, he became a bright, shining superstar. There were other child stars that surpassed him. Yes. Yeah. A lot of it does remind me of that Cronenberg movie we talked about, Map of the Stars or whatever. It's, right. It's very similar to kind of that kid in that. Oof. Which, in which it's like, it's so viscerally sad yeah. that it's kind of hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I and didn't it, notice it when, like, when I was a kid, like... Seeing his downfall, it was like hilarious. Like Todd Bridges, you know, they're all crazy child yeah. stars and, you know, and all that Gary stuff. Gary Coleman it, was a punchline. Yeah. And the girl, what was the girl's name in that? Oh, Dana Plato. Dana Plato. Future episode. Future episode, yeah. Same thing with her. It was like, it was funny. It was like humorous to look at, you know, child stars who crash and burn, you know. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Because I feel like it did happen, you know, in the past, but like the 80s into the 90s was like the huge, this was like the boom for child actors like going off the deep end. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't see how sad it actually got. So because it the was funny. The phenomenon started I, with your episode that Bobby Driscoll yes Bobby mm -hmm. that's that was part of the log line of this Bobby Driscoll walks so Corey Haim could run yeah I mean pretty much is that how that that saying goes? Yeah, yeah yeah so Corey Haim could crash into a wall you mean <laughs> yeah pretty much well we're gonna make this podcast run because this story is taking us all the way to March 10th 2010 let's get into it Okay, guys. Uh, well, you know, there's a lot of good movies, a lot of good, not good, but music <laughs> is happening at this time. Um, so, Kyle, what's going on with the movie situation in March 10, 2010? March 10, 2010, the box office. We had number three, Shutter Island. Speaking which, of DiCaprio. Yeah, DiCaprio, Scorsese. Uh, big movie, Jackie Earl Haley, uh, who ended up playing Freddy Krueger shortly after this. Mark Ruffalo? 
ru- the rough. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who, who eventually wound up playing Hulk. <laughs> yes, and gave away the ending to uh, Avengers Endgame. Is that true? Got in big trouble with Don Cheadle, yeah. Oh. Uh, he Hulk, you mean. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Is that what it was called? No. Oh, okay. I thought that was like a response to She-Hulk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, was someone the other night was like, when are they going to have they Hulk? Yeah. <laughs> that was my line. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> but back to Shutter Island. This written was, by Dennis Lehane. This was written by Dennis Lehane. And Mystic River. Yes, he did Mystic River, Gone Baby Gone. Uh, a lot of uh, novels that turn into big movies. Legendary Boston writer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vampires. Vampires. I see vampires sometimes. Yeah. That's Is that Tim my Ro- daughter in there? Tim Robbins, yeah. <laughs> That's just like, he was on a typewriter writing, Is that my daughter in there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With like 14 exclamation points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, actually, fun fact about this movie, my mother is a character in this movie. Wait, what? Yes. So you know the scene where- I wouldn't brag about that. Where they're investigating <laughs> what's That's going true. on, and they're talking to a nurse that like is in the asylum, okay. and she writes on a piece of paper, run, and hands it to him. Yeah. Her name is Bridget Kearns. That's my mother's name. She was a nurse at Shutter Island, and my mom is a nurse in real life. Hello, nurse. The backstory of this character was that she killed her first husband- uh, which is like an inside joke with our family because my mom and my dad did not get along. So interesting. In the book, he's like, "Yeah, we'll kill, uh, we'll kill Jimmy off." <laughs> Sounds like a laugh riot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're gonna love this story. It's hilarious. Yeah, but it was crazy to see that there was a professional actress who played Bridget Kearns as a character. That, that's my mom's actual first and last name. It was is it weird. really? Yes. Wow. I feel like I knew a Bridget Kearns growing up. Yeah. I think there's a lot of them in Massachusetts. A lot of Kearns. They're around. Yeah, there are a lot of Kearns out there. Yeah. A lot of Irish people. Of I course. Go. But uh, yeah, a little piece of trivia for you. Wow. Uh, number right. two, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. What is this? It's a cartoon <laughs> Okay. about this kid that Trains a dragon. Get out of town. <laughs> wow. What a <laughs> breakdown. You sold me on it. I saw it in the theater at IMAX for some reason because wow. it was after Avatar. So I'm like, oh, every 3D movie is going to be awesome. Yeah. And oh, was I wrong? Oof. It was dark and dreary. Yeah. And there How were a bunch a, of kids there. How to make a stupid movie. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> How to make Alejandro fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and number one at the box office this, at this time is uh, Johnny Depp in Alice in Wonderland. The Tim Burton remake. Yes. Yeah. That I, was I had weird. big expectations for that. I didn't see though. Because I love Tim Burton. I love the original, you know, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. A lot yeah. of good versions of that even. Yeah. And then he did Charlie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory after that or before this? I don't remember. That was before. Same team, basically. Yeah, yeah. same character almost. Yeah, pretty much. Just a giggling Johnny Depp frolicking. Yeah, dressed in the weird. Yeah. 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 And it made a lot of money. Yeah, I guess and so. I saw that. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's how much that movie made? <laughs> I was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, there was a bit of a feud because James Cameron was pissed off that they took Avatar out of the big 3D theaters to make room for Alice in Wonderland because he was like, hey, it's still making money. Really? Why even open a new movie? <laughs> it made over $1 billion. Which one did? In the box office. Alice in Wonderland in 2010. Oh, oh my, my God. That's outrageous. I, I've heard like uh, r- younger kids, like, you know, Gen Z talking like, that's like a classic movie to them now. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh that's not God. a classic movie. <laughs> not at all. That's remade trash. That's disturbing. 
That is disturbing. You know, yeah. That's how you know we're getting older, too, though. I know. They're like, oh, man, that's, you know, that's what I, I grew up on, it's you know. Garbage. The, yeah, the Tim Burton <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. I'm like, never heard of it. <laughs> or like someone's like, oh, yeah, I wasn't born when Get Out was released. Yeah. 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 They're like, Ride Along 2 was like my favorite <laughs> yeah. comedy ever. When I was a toddler, <laughs> I thought Ride Along 2 was a scream. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. So, uh, Kyle, so what's going on with the music situation right now? Oh, my goodness. There's so much going on uh number three need you now by lady antebellum which is now just called lady a i believe oh really because yeah. it's like a it was a, it was a racist offensive term. name yeah, yeah 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 it was a southern you know uh slavery term or something yeah yeah paula dean the antebellum south it was known as and that's the south where there was slavery yeah, yeah. and they want to bring that back and plantations <laughs> Yeesh. Yikes. And there was a woman that already went by Lady A. Oh. And she tried to sue the band, but I believe lost because Lady A is still going. Sounds like a mess. It's a big mess. (laughs) That's what it is. Not our problem. No. Uh, Number two, Bedrock by Young Money featuring Lloyd. I have no clue what this is. Does this is. have to do with the Flintstones? Yeah, is this like a Flintstone soundtrack? <laughs> <The> but... Flintstones. <laughs> Meet the Flintstones. Yeah. yeah. We've hit bedrock with rock bottom of songs here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have. Number one, I'm a B by good old friend of the show, <laughs> friend, yeah. constantly in our pop culture flashes. The Black Eyed Peas. How do we get rid oh. of this group? Stop covering anything of the last 25 Black years. Black Eyed Peas, Will I Am, all of them. <laughs> I'm going to be going crazy. It's, hey. it's the whole extended Black Eyed Peas universe that yeah. we can't get away from on this they show. Are. It shows how dominant they were for a few years. I guess they were hit makers. Absolutely. Say what you will about them. Yeah. And one of them punched Perez Hilton at that time because oh, nice. he wrote something bad about their song. Really? And then everyone was like, thank you for doing that. And he didn't. He expected people to, you know, not support violence. Yeah. Wow. Well, Google it. It's, a, it's I an go... old classic tabloid <laughs> tale. Yeah. I could go either way, though. Uh, Perez Hilton. I don't yeah. really care for him. I don't really uh, not care for him. I don't uh, care. Give him a little punch on the cheek. Give him a little punch. You know, he, uh... <laughs> a little tap. Yeah. <laughs> He's all right. Yeah. Well, with that, guys, let's get into this story about Corey Haim. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, um, Corey Haim, surprisingly, I didn't know this, he was born in Toronto, Canada. Wow. A Canadian. A, a Canuck. Canuck. Canucks are always yeah. taking our acting jobs. I know. This is crazy. Left and right, Jim Carrey. Um, Norm MacDonald. Other people. Rick Moranis. Michael Mike, J. Fox. John Mike Candy. Myers. Mike Myers. Yeah. Well, John Candy hasn't been taking jobs for a while. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's been... Um, it's been busy. <laughs> <laughs> at a young age, his mom enrolled him in drama classes in improvisation and mime to help him overcome his shyness. So he was a very shy kid, I guess. My, and mime is yeah, make him mime. Less shy? yeah. He was mime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not you. talking. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> He's going like this, like <laughs> yeah. You're gonna have Will I Am beat you up if you start keep doing that in yeah, front of people. Yeah. People hate mimes. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. Yeah. They really, really do. Yeah. There's no like actual mime. There can't be anybody that's ever paid 
a, for a ticket to go see a mime. They're always just on the street. Yeah, they're street performers. Yeah, they're bugs. Hey, whoa! Unhoused mime. The Blue Man Group is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. When you pay for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're bringing the funk, bringing the noise. Um, he was a, I guess he was a pretty good hockey player. Oh, wow. Of course, he's Canadian. He was uh, scouted for the AA Thunderbirds, which is like, a, I think, like a, you know, like a lower level, like a hockey league in yeah. Canada or something. The Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah. I, there was like, a, I found it on the internet. They, they, Quoted it as like a very like like I should know what the hell the AA Thunderbirds are. Yeah, the playbook yeah. is just uh, the twelve steps. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the big book, the big book, Bill's book. Yeah. Except God is your savior. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, he attended a bunch of schools. Didn't do well in school. Um. Surprise, surprise. Um. He started accompanying his sister Carrie on auditions. Um, and he got a comedy TV series called The Edison Twins up in Canada. Hmm. So that was his first on-screen performance called Edison The Edison Twins. Twins. Huh? A sitcom? Uh, yeah, it was like a sitcom. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a kid's educational uh, mm. TV show. He got his first movie when he was like 13 years old. He, uh, the first movie was First Born in 1984. I've seen this. Really? Ooh. Yes. Peter Weller. Peter Weller was the big star. Well, <laughs> Peter Weller and Corey Hamm had a little beef on this set. Shut oh, up. Well, let me, the, the, it was a drama starring Terry Garr, Peter Weller, uh, Corey Hamm, Sarah Jessica Parker, Robert Downey Jr., and wow. this guy, Christopher Collette, who no one knows. <laughs> um, so on the set of 1984's First Born, um, Corey Haim during one scene was like, "Hey man, good job on that, on that you know scene that we just did together." Fucking Peter Weller goes nuts. He's he throws Corey Haim against a wall. He starts like punching him. What? Like three guys from the set, like three like uh, um, crew members, have to had to pull Peter Weller off of Corey Haim. Wow, who's thirteen years old? I mean, this is assault. What a yeah. psychopath. This is like child abuse. Yeah. <laughs> this what? is Robocop going off. <laughs> yeah, it's going <laughs> off on Corey. Hey, how dare you say I, I'm a good actor? It was his audition for Robocop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's getting ready. I think Peter Weller's nuts. Yeah, well, he must clearly, be. that sounds awful. That's insane. That, and yeah. that's Corey Haim's <laughs> first movie experience. Yeah, and he's 13 years old getting beat up by some. Uh, at that time, I guess a big star. Not even this was before Roe. It's like who the fuck does Peter Weller think he is? I, I think Peter Weller really thought he was like a big shot, like he was like better than he was. Because I heard he like played hardball with negotiations negotiations on uh, RoboCop. So he wow. like he thought he was like a big shit, and they called his bluff, and he just totally did the movie RoboCop, which is why Robert John Burke replaced him in RoboCop Three. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe the thinner guy. I did not know that. Yeah, and what was I going to say? What did um, Corey say to him again? He just said, like, you're a good actor. Good job on that scene. Yeah. Who the fuck do you think you are? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Corey. It's not like Corey was like, dude, you suck. Yeah. How many takes are you going to do? Well, Peter Weller apologized after. He said he was uh, involved in method acting. Oh, okay. And he hated, he was supposed to hate Corey Haim's uh, role or whatever. He's the new stepdad in the movie okay yeah yeah and 
Corey Haim senses trouble, so through the whole movie, they kind of have a battle. So they're not jiving in that movie. So, no, yeah. it does seem real Like now <laughs> that you mention it. Well, Corey Haim is freaked out, and he's like totally traumatized by this. And like this mm. is his first like experience on set in like an American movie, and like so these poor nice Canadians come down here, like a thirteen year old kid, he gets beat up by Peter Weller. Oh, oh my man. god! Um, right after this movie is done, Corey gets some more bad news. <laughs> Not only does Peter Weller hate him, his parents are splitting up, so wow. they got divorced. Um, after this, um, I guess what was happening. There was like a rap party after this movie was done, and his parents were like dancing with other people and like flirting. Like, oh as, my god! As an adult and seeing that, that's very strange. Yeah, at the rap party, making a scene. Yeah, they were like trying to piss each other off or get each other like worked up by like by like grinding on like other people, like other like Ugh. single adults god. at this party. I don't know. It sounded very strange. His cool. mom banged Peter Weller. <laughs> yeah, the way you hit my son. Hit really me got like me that. going. <laughs> Take that aggression out on this on this pussy. <laughs> or if Corey just nudged Peter Weller at the party, he's like, "You seeing this? My parents <laughs> trying to bond with him." Um, hey, Mrs. Haim, you're gonna touch Peter Weller's Peter Sweller over here. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, "Peter Sweller there." Go tell him he's a good actor. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See what happens. He loves that. Yeah. And then it erupts into like a sexual explosion. Yeah. <laughs> it can go either way, love yeah. or hate. Right. Yeah. Peter Weller stars in sexual explosion. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, next time you tell him he's a good actor, he's like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he's method acting fucking your mom. Yay. Um, Get over here. So he sees this kind of going on like the parents like be- behaving like this getting divorced um and robert downey jr pulls him aside and sarah jessica parker who are dating at that time um and he's like crying he's like all messed up and uh robert uh downey jr is like you're coming to live with me kid wow I'm <laughs> like, if if things are bad already, you got insane drug addict Robert Downey Jr. is like taking you in under his wing. I was gonna say this is pre him falling asleep in somebody else's house, but way before that. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like early '80s, so he's still like partying. Yeah, the crack's really hitting good now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't gotten uh, too bad yet. Yeah, yeah. Man, um, that is crazy. I wonder what it went on in their household. God, it must have been wild. Um. <sighs> But he's still living in Canada now, like, you know, he's still, like, booking roles, though. He's still getting, he got a movie called Secret Admirer, um, Murphy's Romance with Sally Field. That was a big role for him. Murphy's Romance? Yeah, that was a big movie. Okay. And uh, James Garner co-starring, Yeah, I kind of remember that. So imagine it was, like, a big romantic comedy release. So to get that kid role in that. You know, was a big thing. Yeah, I think he he like charmed all these uh, casting directors and producers and directors, and like he was like a perfect. He could, I think he had the dimples. He had that good yeah. like kind of innocent kid look when mm-hmm. he was younger. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't uh, age very well. But um. But but we'll find out more about that here. Um. He got movies. Uh. Silver Bullet. Um. Werewolf movie. Yeah. Never saw that one. Um. I Kenthropic. It was like a Stephen King novella. Um, he hmm. he played a lesser known paraplegic ten year old boy who warns his uncle 
employed by Gary Busey that their town is being terrorized by a werewolf. Oh, man. But yeah. they just find out it was just drunk Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm just, yeah, so much whiskey. <laughs> Corey tells Gary he's a good actor on the set. <laughs> yeah. And then Gary's like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. just out of it. Yeah. Playing a paraplegic, though, he, that would get him canceled now. People get very upset. Oh, yeah. Well, Drake did that, too, didn't he? Yeah. I'm yeah. Degrassi. An able-bodied person playing a paraplegic. Uh, yeah. Brian yeah. Cranston was just talking about that. Yeah. Bill Burr had a bit about it being like, uh, yeah, because it's called fucking acting. He's like, you think people really get shot and killed, too? <laughs> <laughs> Bill Burr's takes are just all over the internet. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The, it's just like all those are on TikTok yeah. over and over. He just <laughs> deflates, you know, any argument. Yeah. yeah. Um. He began to get some major industry recognition around this time. Um, he wins a Young Artist Award for the NBC movie A Time to Live, uh, in which he played Liza Minnelli's character's dying son. He's always playing like some kind of kid down on his luck. He's <laughs> yeah. getting beat up Par- by stepdads. Paraplegic, <laughs> yeah. Peter Weller's punching bag. Yeah. Now he's dying. <laughs> his dad was his manager, so I think he's making bad decisions for his son. Um, His dad turned down uh, the River Phoenix role in Mosquito Coast. Wow. Yeah, that's a big... Yeah. I would say that would be a miss. His dad also turned down um, the role of... The River Phoenix role from Stand By Me. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. That's even more of a miss. Yeah. Because that movie, you know, it's... Yeah, classic. classic. It made a lot of people, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Except Jer- for Jerry O'Connell. He kind of took him a little time to kind of come back. Yeah. Interesting that Corey Feldman was in it. It yeah. was. So they didn't hook up yet. Yeah. Yeah. I and they would have so. hooked up earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And they eventually do. But they're like competing for parts. Like like Corey Haim almost got Goonies. You know, mm. like like yeah. all these like kid actors are, you know, they're all going in for the same roles and stuff. That was like Leo DiCaprio and... Um, uh, Toby Maguire were best friends as kids, and they were always going up against each other yeah. for roles. Yeah, it's crazy that they remain friends with like being so competitive. You know, well, I think at some point Toby's like, I can't keep up with this fucking guy. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah like might as well join him. Yeah, you know. Also, <laughs> if once you get Spider Man, it's like, all right, I don't care. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so his breakout role though is 1986 Lucas. Which is like you very know, good movie. Very good movie. Um, he played a teen geek who tries to play on the football team. Uh, Kyle, I don't know if you've seen this, but I have not. He's basically the same thing. He's like a very you know a kid who's a geek who gets hurt very easily. A lovable <laughs> like, geek. Lovable geek. Yeah. He actually had a real life crush on the actress in it, Carrie Green, also from Goonies. Um, I guess that helped inspire his on screen performance in that. So yeah, it's a moving story. Because yeah. they all kind of build Lucas up, you know they don't they don't beat him up and stuff him in a locker by yeah. the end. Oh, Charlie Sheen's in it. Yeah, well, I'll talk about bum, that in a little bum, bit. Bum. Hang on, hang on. Puts Peter Weller to shame. I know. Yeah. Corey Amos <laughs> asking for Peter Weller on yeah. the set. <laughs> Peter, um, let's focus that Lucas is a nice movie. Well, after, for the nice people, after yeah. Lucas gets him a lot of heat, he he decides to move down to LA. <laughs> a lot of heat, a lot of heat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A hot. <laughs> Him and his mom moved down to L.A. Um, at an apartment in Studio City right down the street here. Mm. Um, That's what made them decide, okay, let's 
go for it. Let's go for yeah. it, 100%. And the mom is divorced anyway from the dad, so he, like, figures, you know... I think they're separated this time, so the mom figures, why not uh, try to find a new husband? I'll bring my son down there, and, you know, he'll make more money for the family. His next movie project is The Lost Boys, in which he meets the love of his life, Corey Feldman. <laughs> Best uh, friend for life. Yeah, pretty much. He uh, was saying it facetiously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the two would go on to become the biggest stars of the 80s, making tons of money in the process. Um, you know, they'd be on Tiger Beat and all these stupid teen magazines and stuff. Yeah. Cut out. Stapled on Mark's wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you glue them to the wall or use tape? Uh, staple you, you could call it glue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it just on one wall or the whole room? Uh, it was just wherever yeah. it landed. Yeah. <laughs> just wallpaper. <laughs> I'm busy, mom. Be right there. <laughs> I'm watching the Lost Boys. Uh, so yeah, um, Hollywood just starts capitalizing on these, you know, these two Corys, as everyone would call them, the Dream two, Team. They're the Dream Team. Yep. Yeah. Um, they got this movie License to Drive with I've Heather seen Graham. That. Yeah, Heather I love Graham. that movie as Mercedes Lane. Yeah, her character name. The, the last line of it is like, he's like, "Hey, you can uh, you can borrow my car now." The dad says to him after he got his license, he goes, "You know what, Dad? I already got a Mercedes." And he goes hey. and gets in the car with Heather Graham. He's so not wrong. So stupid, but I loved it as a kid. I'm like, this movie is me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Heather Graham, you know, that was. Yeah. Very inspired casting. Yeah. The movie, they had a nice chemistry. They did, yeah. So License to Drive did okay at the box office. Get out of my dreams. Yeah, that was a, yeah, the Billy Ocean song. Get into yeah. my car. Yeah, they go to Archie's. Remember Archie's? Uh, Archbishop Williams High well, School? That's that's like... In Braintree, Massachusetts? Uh, no, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, we'll get you. back to you, yeah, Kyle. We'll, we won't get back to whatever that was. Uh, <laughs> um... But it was like, you know, that, that that's the location they're going to in the mm -hmm. middle of the night. Like, that's where they have to go to is Archie's. It's this late night, like, drive up, you know, uh, food place. Oh, that's right. It was the hangout. Yeah, it was the hangout. Um, this movie was destroyed by critics who said it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't made for the critics. It no, It was made for true. you. It was made for At us, that man. Age, right? It was. And I, you know what? I'll tell you, I loved it. It worked out. Um, this is where Corey Hames' drug use really ramps up. I think he looked maybe looked at the the reaction to this movie from the critics and like he's just, he starts really doubling down on all the drugs. And he was taking some before. He was. Yeah, I think he started drinking during the movie Lucas actually. Mm. Oof. I know. Well, I would imagine so. Well, yeah. You'd I, have to. Yeah. He has his first stint in rehab after this. Mm. And he comes out and he starts like filming uh, you know, anti-drug campaign things where he's clearly fucked up. Like, this is like a Corey Haim thing to do. You know, he does it later in his, like, E! True Hollywood story where he's talking about how great it is to be sober and stuff, and he's clearly on drugs at yeah. that time. And it's just, like, like it's slurring. very sad. Mm. Uh, he did this anti-drug video called Me, Myself, and I, um, which was laughed at by everyone because he's clearly, like, so messed up during the entire thing. Man. Yeah, so around this time... He's getting a bad reputation as just a kid actor who's now just on drugs totally, 100% all the time. And yeah. he's like, he's unreliable and like, don't hire him for anything. 
Um, Damn. He yeah, did, he. So he is kind of like his peak, and he's now he's on the downward. Yeah. Slope of it. Yeah, he set up a a pre-recorded drug advice line for teens. Uh, and then later on in Arsenio Hall, he admitted that he was high while giving that advice. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, he was talking to people like in real time or it was pre-recorded? It was pre-recorded. Okay. So yeah. like, you know, hey, this is Corey Haim. I wish I had a clip of that, yeah. you know, which would be great, but I don't. But... Don't do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on while I do this line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically, his career was over by the time he was 19 years old. <laughs> like th- that's how wow. quickly you know his he catapulted up and then down in Hollywood. And it was quickly he was relegated to straight to video or straight yeah, to th- HBO movies. Like I remember one I watched as a kid. It actually has "kid" in the title. The Double O Kid. I don't. I don't know that one. Where he was a secret agent. Oh, that was boy. on all the time. I really? watched it a lot for some reason. Wow. I remember the movie "Blown Away." He did with the with the other with Tommy Corey. Lee Jones. No, this is another "Blown Away." He did with Nicole Egger and uh, Corey Feldman. The Coreys and Nicole Egger are in like some spicy, like you know, like sex romance. Uh, and Corey is like. Fully nude in it. It's it's disturbing. What? Yeah, it's it's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. They did a bunch of movies together. They were on the downward slope on the same skis. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like him because they did Dream and Little Dream, which was theatrically released. But that was like the last movie yeah. after License to Drive. That was Corey Haim's like last movie that you know was considered a legitimate Hollywood movie. Yeah, but then by the mid-90s when they were doing Dream a Little Dream 2 or 3, yeah. they were really cheap, you know, not theatrical movies. Yeah, he, well, they, they at some point he was so messed up they didn't even bring him back for those. Corey oh, Haim, really? Corey Feldman they would, but Corey Haim was too messed up. Oh, he wasn't even in the sequel. No. Oh, interesting. I yeah. thought he was. No, same, wow. same thing with, um, you know, the the vampire movie. The, they Lost did, Boys. The Lost Boys. He, he cried on the uh, the reality show, the Corys, because the, he w- he found out he was too high to be in the sequels. They weren't going to let him oh, on wow. it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, when they won't let you be on the straight to video sequel to Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah, that things means are you're really bad. messed up. Well, Nicole Egger talked about when they when they did that Blown Away movie together, um, like uh, mid nineties. This is like ninety two, I want to say, okay. or something, or like ninety. Yeah, it's like yeah, early nineties, I think. Okay. Um, that he was so messed up. There was a, there was a like a doctor on set that would, just to make sure he wouldn't go through withdrawal. Mm. Um, and then after they were they shot all day, he would be hooked up to an IV, um, and like he would be begging doctors for uh, like a higher dose of prescription drugs, um, and then he would go back to work the next day, and he was like, he was like barely alive. Jeez. So his insurance rates must have been sky high <laughs> yeah. on those movies. I don't know what his co-pays. Oh, his insurance. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they must. I think he was just a liability. I think it. Everyone knew it. Like it wasn't no secret anymore right. how messed up Corey Ham was. Man. He was barely like being kept alive by like these prescription. Like this is the time where you could really get anything you wanted. Yeah, you like. If mm-hmm. if a doctor doesn't give you something, you go to the next one. You go to the next one. You go to the next one. Yeah, there was nothing digital at that point. It's all handwritten, you know, prescription notes and stuff. As we know, Court- Courtney Love stole uh, a pad and like started writing her own prescriptions and stuff. It was easier to do back. She's then. a scoundrel. Um, 
So he does. He starts doing movies like Snowboard Academy, <laughs> like Demolition High, Fever Lake, and Busted. Like these are all just like like bad, you know, B movies. And he did a remake or sequel. I don't even reboot, whatever you call it. Just one of the girls. Okay. You know, a take on just one of the guys from the eighties. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems his IMDb. It's like from nineteen ninety two on is all pretty much direct-to-video or direct-to-TV movies. Uh, and then in 1997, he starts playing, like, background actors. Yeah. And uncredited. Uh, his first one was Batman and Robin. He was a biker gang member, uncredited. Yeah. he's His career drops off a cliff. Like, he's done. What's it like that day on the set when he's like, yo, I'm here to film my part. And yeah. Alicia Silverstone is like, oh, who are you playing? Yeah, and who like, are you? <laughs> I, yeah. I'm motorcycle rider number four. Oh, yeah. Man, that's so sad. Yeah, 98 PSI Factor. It's a TV series. He was a research project intern for one episode. Yeah. Wishmaster 2, Wait, an, a it, museum burglar. Was he an intern or an actor playing an yeah. intern? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's back to interning now on yeah. movies. Uh, Kyle, play this song he did. He signs a record deal with a German company, and uh, he he made an unreleased Euro pop album. Uh, this is uh, "You Give Me Everything." Ich liebe everything. It's This is like. It sounds like George Michael. Mark Wahlberg and Boogie Nights. Him and John C. Riley made that song. Like, yeah. <laughs> we need the tapes so we can go to the company and get the money. Comma, 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 chameleon. Yeah. Okay. I will say this is. Not great, but it's way better than anything Corey Feldman came up with. That's true too. Agreed. Musically. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So we, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it seriously is way better than Feldman's music. Yeah. There's some production value there. There is. You know, yeah. Germans say what you will about them. Yeah. You know, they're pretty good at coming up with uh, snazzy tunes. Anywho, so yeah, uh, mid '90s he goes bankrupt. Uh, he owe, owes Lloyd's of London uh, three hundred seventy-five thousand for failing to disclose his drug addiction um, for like on an insurance form for mm. a movie he did. Oh, so wow. yeah, he's like doing what you're saying. Like he can't get insurance basically, so wow. he's unhirable. Fi- uh, files Chapter Eleven, uh, July nineteen ninety-seven. Um, he owes the IRS a hundred grand. Uh, debts, debts, debts. He's uh, owes everyone money. He's uh, doing very bad at this time. He's down bad, as they would say. Yeah. So uh, none of those projects are paying much. No. Um, Batman and Robin was probably scale. Oh yeah, two hundred like, bucks. Yeah, for the if, day. Yeah, yeah. Probably just got paid in pills. Unfortunately, like that's kind of where he's at. Uh, all the film roles just basically evaporated. And now that I think about it, it was probably a favor because Joel Schumacher, who directed that, directed The Lost Boys. That's it. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that mm-hmm. was Schumacher. Oh, wow. Well, he auditioned for the Robin role. He wa- <laughs> like he really thought he had a shot at the Robin role. Wow. And you know, if he wasn't on drugs and had continued his trajectory, it could have been possible. Lost Boys Cause, on because who was in it? Chris O'Donnell. It would have been Nobody. way better yeah. than Chris O'Donnell. If you can't beat out Chris O'Donnell for a role, give it up. Yeah, I think <laughs> Corey Haim could have been a good actor, and we'll never know. Like, it just never happened. Yeah, yeah. never had that part. So after this, he he kind of goes sober a little bit, uh, and he goes 
totally missing. No one knows where he went. Um, like a left eye kind of uh, thing? thing, yeah. But he was staying with this guy, George McMahon, who did uh, the soundtrack for The Lost Boys. He was like a musician, so he just went to go stay with this guy. Mm. Um, he, he balloons up to 300 pounds. Um, wow. He attempted to support himself by selling clumps of his own hair. He tried to sell an extracted molar of his on eBay. Wow. But they took it off because you're not allowed to sell body parts. Oh, my That's God. That's kind of innovative of him, though. It got up to 150 bucks. Who wants my tooth? <laughs> <laughs> All Who in needs... capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs blood? Yeah. <laughs> In 2003, he made a small comeback with a movie called Dickie Roberts' Child Star, where he poked fun of himself. David and... Spade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's where they, there was a lot of other child stars. I remember um, Screech was in that. Yeah, Dustin Diamond. Yeah. Which was a pretty big part for him at that time because he was just getting into stand-up and was kind of a laughing stock. Yeah. yeah. But in that movie, he was taken seriously. Oh, wow. He's like part of the former child stars poker game. Yeah, I remember the poker game. Yeah. I'm just saying it seems like it was kind of like a legit comedy role for him that yeah. later on they would have never had him play He that wasn't part. just the direct butt of the jokes. Exactly. He was, like, he was engaging in the script yep. and stuff. And mm. I hope he didn't tell David Spade, hey, good good job on that uh, that last <laughs> scene there. <laughs> yeah, what <laughs> <laughs> then Spade is like, Weller, <laughs> I need your help. Comes out of a closet, yeah. <laughs> um, in 2006, The Two Corys premieres on A&E, which is a reality series uh, in which they delve into the relationship of Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. And basically the premise is getting Corey Haim off drugs. That's the entire premise of the show. And Corey Haim has to go live with Corey Feldman and his wife. The show was partially scripted, obviously, um, it took a darker turn uh, when Haim, Corey Haim relapsed on the show and his pre- prescription drug use became apparent on the show. In one of the darkest moments on the two Corys, Haim told Feldman that he was sexually abused at the age of 14 by one of Feldman's acquaintances. So one of Corey Feldman's friends yeah. is the one who sexually abused Corey Haim. Wow. Um. They didn't identify the man who I guess at that time was 42 year, years old. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, Haim said that the abuse continued for years with Feldman's knowledge. So he knew about this. Wow. That's so they fought show. about that. Yeah. He they was fought. accusing him of not helping him. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of back and forth about who the actual rapist is. Wow. Um, some people said, like, we've just been, you know, teasing that Charlie Sheen did it on the set yeah. of Lucas. Um, so in the 2020 documentary, My Truth, The Rape of Two Corys. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, this is the one Kyle was going to buy. Yeah. <laughs> but you yeah, this saw was, it through other means. It though. was like a live stream event that they... Uh, Feldman was really hyping up on social media. He was charging 20 bucks yeah. to see it. And he was yeah. saying he was going to name names. Well, this claim was corroborated by um, Susie Feldman, the ex-wife of uh, Corey Feldman, uh, and the Lost Boys co-star, uh, Jameson Newlander. So they both confirmed that Charlie Sheen was the actual rapist. Mm-hmm. But Judy Haim, uh, Corey's mom, says no. It was this other guy, Dominic Brasha, who uh, allegedly was the rapist when uh, when Corey Haim was thirteen. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. He was a friend of Corey Feldman, like a 30-year-old guy, like older. Yeah. He moved next door to them, weirdly, in Studio City after Corey Feldman like introduced them. So all of a sudden, Oof. the mom's like, why is this guy moving next door and stuff? Yeah. And then one day, uh, Corey Haim calls his mom and says, please come get me. He won't get off from on top of me. And that guy, Dominic Brasha, I guess, was just like sitting on top of Corey Haim. It's all very oh. strange. She he- says if there wasn't any rape. It was just kind of like fondling and stuff like that. Oh, God. Yeah. You weren't raped. You were molested. Yeah. But like what? But some people say, you know, there was a rape and it was uh, Charlie Sheen was a perpetrator. Yeah. But maybe Corey Feldman just hated Charlie Sheen that much that he wanted to make it look like uh, he was someone that did this. I don't know. Yeah. And in the documentary, he goes into graphic detail. Yeah. Saying, like, it was, you know, he used Vaseline and did it out in the open. Yes, outside the trailer, I think he was saying. Yeah. And Charlie Sheen refutes the claim, of course. Uh, There's a Dr. Oz interview I actually have here with with the mom, Judy. So what do you think about these allegations that... He was raped when he was age 13. I know what's going on out there with what everybody is saying. And I know I can tell you as a mother that I haven't seen one change in character. I would have known what if anything was wrong. My kid had nothing. He was like transparent. He never hit anything. He was Corey. It's out of character. That's number one. When my son was 13, he's not going to go and ask Charlie Sheen to go and sleep with him. I have to he tell didn't you ask... that this guy <sighs> is the guy that abused my son. Hmm. He yeah. didn't ask to be sleeping with him. He was raped. This pisses me off. This poor guy, Corey, did not have one like responsible adult around him no. for his entire life. What was the mom doing when she got that phone call? Did she go and kick the shit out of this guy or call someone? It sounds no. like she didn't believe him. She went to go get him. And She's then like, and, like what get off of my son? And this was like the neighbor. And like, yeah, and that was it. And she went to go get him and then there was no charges. There was no anything. This ridiculous. She she's the one friggin' flirting with people at the rap party of his yeah. first big mm-hmm. movie too. His parents are morons. She sucks. Yeah, she clearly is like denying the fact that her son was assaulted. She probably thinks it makes her look bad in some way. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I couldn't have let this happen under my watch. Apparently, she sucks. When she <laughs> shitless <laughs> shitless when she came to get him when this guy Dominic, who's an actor, but he was like thirty. Why is he hanging out with his 14-year-old kid? Yeah, exactly. Why, why is Robert Downey Jr. even hanging out with him? I like, know. You could stay yes. at my place. That's weird, too. Granted, he's being like a mentor, but at that time, he's all fucked up, so he's probably getting them to do drugs at the same time as I him. I think so. Yeah, I think he's like just a sad puppy, and he just got totally taken advantage of. Yeah, he would have been better off going to live with Peter Weller. Yeah, <laughs> for real. 100%. Uh, so she comes and she uh, she finds Dominic fully dressed. This is a guy, Dominic Brasha, who is the alleged rapist. Um, he's sitting on her son and pinning him to the floor. Uh, I guess Dominic uh, gave up and released him after Judy threatened him with a pool cue. So, well, there you go, Kyle. See, oh, great. Yeah, she was playing Mama Bear. She yeah. said it was a form of sex, not rape, was going on there. But what? Who, I don't know. I, who the hell knows? A form of sex would also be rape. Yeah, really yeah. splitting hairs there, Mom. I yeah, Oof. I don't know. She denies, denies, denies any rape actually happened, and she hates Corey Feldman. 
They have beef after wow. after everything. Um, yeah, they've been feuding for a long time. Uh, Corey did a biography called The Choreography, claiming that um, in that he discredits Corey Haim's legacy. That's what the mom said. They they have like a whole back and forth. And she she claims that there's no big Hollywood pedophile ring, and all those claims are bogus. Wow. Well, Whereas, I think we all know that. There is at this there point. Absolutely is. She calls Corey Feldman a scam artist and said he's just trying to sell books. And Maybe and, she's part of the ring. Yeah, maybe she's covering up for her uh, overlord bosses that are, you know, whatever. Um, right. So if things were bad before, they get even worse. Uh, 2008, um, they they get a season two of the Corys, but it gets canceled in the middle of it. Wow. In the middle of it? Yeah. Why? Uh, because there was a fight between the two. Uh, the the relationship was going very sour very quickly. And they didn't know if they were going to do a season two, but then it gets canceled while they're filming it anyway. So who cares? Um, yeah. He releases in February 7, 2008, Corey Haim releases a paid advertisement in the Hollywood trade publication Variety that he's ready to get back to work and he's clean and everything is fine. Everyone knows it's not. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. He always wanted to get back to work. That was his big thing. Like, but I think everyone just knew but between what he was saying, like, no, you're you're really not. You're really messed up, man. Yeah. You gotta like take we saw some, the two Corys. Yeah. You gotta take some time and uh and you know, get away from this business for a while and get you know, get yeah. your head straight. And he never did that. Yeah. It's just a messed up life. And just think your supposed best friend writes an autobiography called Choreography, yeah. where he's detailing all the nasty shit that's been done to you. Yeah. It's like, yo, like, come talk to me. Like, yeah. why are you airing all this dirty laundry I, to sell books? I think Corey Feldman also was like, he, you know, took advantage of him totally. Absolutely. Claiming he was his friend and stuff. To sell that book. Yeah. On March 10, 2010, after Haim's mother phoned 911, Paramedics took Corey Haim uh, from their home to Providence St. Joseph Medical Center in Burbank, where he was pronounced dead at 2.15 a.m. Jeez. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he was 38 years old. Wow. Yeah. So what's the story with that? Uh, he had, like, uh, days before that, he had, like, uh, flu-like symptoms. A doctor called on him and it took his temperature but did not suspect serious problems. So a doctor, like, came to their house to, like, check on him. Wow. It was like a house visit. Um, they took his temperature, and like the doctor's like, he seems all right to me. He's dead two days later. Jeez. Um, I, I guess, let me see here. Assistant Chief Coroner Ed Winter said, as he got out of bed, he felt a little weak and went down to the floor on his knees. Mm. Um, they, they initially called it an accidental overdose because they found bottles of Valium, Vicodin, uh, Soma, uh, Halperidol. Um, so bottles of basically everything were found at the scene. Yeah, he was a big doctor shopper, mm. and I think they they found out through like an investigation that he had 195 Valium, 149 Vicodin, 194 Soma, and 15 Xanax. So he was he was doctor shopping all around Los Angeles. This was found in his apartment. Yeah, and he was living with his mom. Correct. Yes. Yeah, Similar says, to Brittany Murphy in some ways. Yeah. He used multiple illegal aliases to get 553 prescription pills in 32 days before his death. Jesus. 
Yeah. That's insane. Wow. Well, they, they made uh they made like a new law based off of this. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, like uh, Jerry Brown, because that's what happens now. Like you can't, um, like just doctor shop like that. There's an actual registry if you get, like, say you get like a a prescription of Vicodin. Yep. Now there's a registry that like Rite Aid, CVS, and all these places can tell. You know, if you're going around various places trying to get opiates and stuff, it's very difficult to get anything like that these days. Yeah. His his death certificate lists diffuse, <laughs> uh, alveolar damage. And community acquired pneumonia as causes of death. Community acquired? Yeah. Like he got it out and about? Um I I don't know. I don't I don't know exactly what that is. I think it's just, you know, when when they don't call your death a straight overdose and you die of like all these other things that are related to it because you're just doing so many pills for so many years. Yeah. His body just basically gave out. Wow. Yeah, diffuse that. Alveolar damage, also known as DAD, D-A-D, uh, is just lung damage. Yeah, there, there was an arrest made. Jerry Brown announced that an arrest was made in connection with the investigation, which involved doctor identity theft and up to 5,000 illegal prescriptions, which detailed information was not released. Officials stated that Hain had, had obtained OxyContin via a prescription drug ring. Wow. So he was getting, like, street drugs, too. So he was getting whatever, but he just wasn't doing heroin as far as I could see here. You don't need to if you got OxyContin. Yeah. He could have really put his foot down and stopped doing drugs, and then you will get flu-like symptoms and be sweating and weak and not being able to stand. That's what I was getting at. So I think he might have been trying to detox himself. Maybe. And that that will kill you. If you're going really hard and then all of a sudden you stop, it'll kill you. Oh, my God. I yeah, I believe that's what was going on. Yeah. yeah. I think that probably might have been what it's in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he tried to detox himself, and he just didn't realize you have to go to like you have to go to a proper doctor in order mm-hmm. to come off that stuff. Maybe he just didn't even have health insurance. Like yeah. he should have went back up to Canada to get some universal health care. Yeah, for real. You can't do cold turkey. No, no Amy it's very, Winehouse. Very difficult to do. Yeah, Amy Winehouse quit drinking. Yeah, and died because of that. Is that uh, what it was? She was yeah. just a, uh, an alcoholic. Yep. Future episode. Yeah. Wow. I, I have a last interview for him here, Kyle. Yep. All right, here, guys, we have Corey Haim right here, uh, right here on the red carpet. So, Corey, tell us what brings you to Vegas. Uh, well, I'm here to support a movie, but our movie comes out Monday here, American Sunset. We're very happy about it, and uh, I'm, just, uh, I'm just here, man, to show my support. Awesome. You know? Reach for me, and it's just uh, it's such a it's weird set of people of here. I don't even know what to make of it. Everyone's like a smaller family. You know what I mean? That's right. why I like the indie. Well, indies like I don't want to say low budget, but like indies, it becomes sorry, it becomes more of a family <laughs> than it does anything else, and you miss the people that much What's more. What's he trying to right? say? So I don't know. Support that. <laughs> I can't. So we're in Vegas, and we're having a good time, and everything's cool. Um, and we're just here to support the movies and just have fun and just really be a unity, like in all one of film be and music unity? and everything. Watch American Sunset and blow your mind because my mind's like, so enjoy. There's something about that interview and about that movie and everything there because that's in Vegas too. And I'm like, oh, it makes it so much more sad. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, a lot of bad stuff happens in Vegas. Yeah. It's, you know, sad ending to... 
you know, I, was once a great budding career. Yeah, yeah really industry. could have been something. Yeah, I think so. It made a couple of different choices. Maybe he took a better acting class after he got some heat and like and he was a teenager. Maybe something could have happened. He could have turned into a DiCaprio. I just wish there was one adult in his life that had their shit together. It seems like everybody was just a moron. Yeah, just I didn't used do, them. I didn't hear much about the dad. You know, he yeah. must have just totally been gone from the situation. Maybe just yeah. got a new family or something and didn't even. I mean, all I need to know about him is that him and his wife were making it about them at that rap party for his first professional movie. It's like you guys yeah. are just making this all about yourself and causing a scene in front of your kid who it's supposed to be their night. Let's me know how selfish and narcissistic they are. I think that's it. I think he's yeah. used to being around people like that. And maybe Corey Feldman was a little more, um, he had a better family life a little bit. Yeah. He was a fuck up and, you know, maniac, but right. he had a little bit better of a background. He was like born in Reseda and his parents were like kind of in the industry. So I think he was a little bit better prepared to, you know, withstand the, the Hollywood lifestyle and what it does to you and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the heyday of child actors being treated like that. Yeah. With awful parents. Yeah. Ryan O'Neill was jealous of his daughter Tatum when she won Best Supporting Actress. I've heard that. Ridiculous. I mean, he's not even happy for his own daughter. <laughs> yeah. That went on all the time. Parents stealing money, parents being, you know, jealous. And yeah. yeah. It's a weird situation to be in. I couldn't imagine my mom just like stealing money from me or like being pissed that I won an Oscar or something. Yeah. It's like insane. These parents need to get their fucking asses kicked. Yeah. And I'm going to be the guy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hollywood enforcer. You're like the Ray, Ray Donovan, but just for parents. No, but it's truly disgusting uh, how little he had uh, anybody with a brain around him. And like Peter Weller, you know, he didn't even get arrested for yeah, beating up some kid on, on set. Oh. You can get arrested for punching some bro in a bar. Yeah. yeah. And he's assaulting this young kid. Imagine that's your level of method acting is just beating up kids. <laughs> like, yeah, it's Peter Weller's still alive. No, he, he looks. Is. He, he is. He's he looks, on the shit list. He looks bad. Yeah, he looks like he's dead. But yeah, he looks very dead. He still breathes. 1947. So yeah, he was in his late 30s beating up a kid. What a loser. Yeah. <laughs> God. God. What an asshole. Oh, what a dick. All throughout the entire thing with Corey Haim, what made me the saddest about this was that he he kept trying to make it seem like everything was fine. Yeah. And I think that's that was the thing with his mom. Maybe maybe he felt. He felt bad that she was like alone and, you know, the dad left them and he was trying to cheer her up. And I think he was just that muscle was just so he was so used to that to making it seem like everything was fine with his mom. Yeah. And she probably played that up, too. Yeah. Oh, your dad's gone. I'm such a victim. It's like, no, you were being a dick, too. Yeah. You're an asshole. Fuck you. (laughs) Jesus, Kyle, we've unleashed him. Oh, I really (laughs) don't. I really don't. (laughs) You don't care for that. Yeah. And at the end, he's trying to get sober, still caring for his mom. Yeah. Who didn't deserve to be cared for. No, not at all. Well, you could see, like, almost in the 2001 E. True Hollywood story and then, you know, all those things that he did. He's like, yeah, I'm just ready to get back to work. You know, everything's fine. And, like, clearly he's just, like, really wrecked on drugs. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, it's so, it's one of the saddest things I've ever seen. It's brutal because, like, we've talked about before in other um, episodes, even with, like, Charles Rocket, if they just got to this, like, golden age of TV, they'd probably be fine. Yeah. Like, because people love a redemption story. People love putting, you know, older actors that 
used to have a big career into new movies and new TV shows on yeah. Netflix and stuff. So who would have known um, what would have happened? But uh, he would have definitely had to get sober to be able to do it. I know. And that was the problem. Like, yeah. you know, Corey Feldman, I guess he got soberish once in a while. Oh, you know, if that's sober... I don't know what sober is. Yeah. <laughs> like that Howard Stern uh, singing thing. We got to talk about Feldman for a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is going on with that guy? Oh, uh, he's the comeback king. Yeah. And he's naming everybody that did stuff to Corey Haim, but then he won't name certain people yeah, that exactly. did it to him. Yeah. And that documentary, I mean, we touched on it, but that was a disaster. Absolutely. Yeah. He disaster. had a public screening right before the pandemic, days before March remember, 2020. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think he started the pandemic. <laughs> well, I think that was <laughs> like the, glitter had started 9 11. <laughs> that was the anniver- the 10 year anniversary of Corey Haim's death, though. I think that's why they were doing it. Oh, great. More publicity oh. for Mr. Feldman. Yeah, he's a he's a monster. He's wow. a piece of crap. And at this screening. But he's unabashed about it. You know, oh, he doesn't care who shameless. knows. Shameless. Yeah, yeah. And at this screening, he was going to have it coincide with the live stream, which Kyle almost paid 20 bucks to That's buy. That's what you were going to buy. And the website shut down. Nobody saw it that yeah. night. And then he kept delaying the screening in Hollywood. It was at the Director's Guild. Yeah. yeah. Rosanna Arquette was there. Yeah. And who else? There, it was a who's who of nobody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then he just they did the screening but then there was going to be a Q&A after but Feldman canceled it but then he told everyone to go to West Hollywood to this other bar and he said there was going to be pizza and like jalapeno pizza poppers or something <laughs> like mozzarella sticks could you imagine going to that screening and then and then go into another place to eat mozzarella sticks? What if you walked in there, it was just Peter Weller eating the, mo- the mozzarella sticks? I was going to say, <laughs> there is a path to redemption for Peter Weller. If he shows up to one of Corey Feldman's screaming- screenings and beats the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be good, actually. I don't think he's got uh, that in him right now. <laughs> looks like a go to dust if he uh, did anything. <laughs> Kyle, can you open that article real quick? Yes. I swear it's worth it hearing the other celebrities that were at this screening. Yeah, let's see. Uh, this is like The Last Supper. Yeah. Rosanna Arquette, Patricia Richardson, Dave Navarro, Chris Kattan, and Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> Wow. What? That... Mango's here. Mango. <laughs> I love and you, a Mango. Sex abuse documentary. Like, Well, he said he was abused too, Chris Kattan. What? By SNL. Uh, no, by um... Will Ferrell. Oh, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was the director, uh, um, Penelope Fierce. No, 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 not Spheris. The other, Amy Heckerlin. Amy Heckerlin, okay. Who was going to direct Night at the Roxbury. Yeah. And then he basically made a claim that Lauren Michaels encouraged him to have sex with her. Yeah, in Whoa. order to get the movie made. Yeah. Yeah. And he told Chris, look, you don't have to have sex with her, but hey, it wouldn't hurt if you did. Wow. God. And Mango's like, yeah. Mango. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this was a complete shit show, this documentary. And then And he, then when it actually got shown, he didn't name any names. Just Charlie Shane. I don't did he say it in he, that movie? Yes. He did? Okay. That was the big reveal. Well, oh. man, you know, that leads me to believe that maybe the Charlie Sheen is accurate because you I think he's afraid of liability and stuff. He can't just make stuff up and put it in a movie. You it's been said by multiple people that maybe it it's did true. Happen. Yeah. And he is a maniac. Yeah. 
for he some reason. He has tiger blood. Yeah. Which yeah. I guess meant AIDS. Yeah. Winning. <laughs> yeah. We, we all thought he was, t- you know, he does talking have about AIDS. actual yeah. tiger blood. But <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I mean, he absolutely out of his mind for years, Charlie Sheen. Yeah. So, you know, nothing's off the table. But Charlie Sheen's got in that movie, Lucas, you know, he's got Winona Ryder right there. He's got that Carrie from Goonies, uh, who's cute too. Yeah. Why doesn't he go for them? Why is he going? Why is Whoa, he trying to uh, Let's be glad he didn't hurt anybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but have like a consensual relationship. Yeah, consensual no, I relationship. Know. I know. Yeah, yeah. Because predators don't work that way. That is true. Yeah. Weird. It's a bad seed, man. And then I think lastly, we have to talk about the other elephant in the room, Corey Feldman's music career. Oh, so bad. That's almost creepier than the other allegations. Corey Haynes looks much better. We listen to his (laughs) song. That was not too bad. I listen. Yeah, that that was a much better song. Yeah. (laughs) Corey Feldman wanted to be like um, Michael Jackson, kind of. Right. Remember they? Oh, he wants to be him so bad. They looked like each other all the. Yeah, I think maybe too bad. It's weird because Howard Stern looks like he's he's seven feet tall and he's bald in this clip. And he is like saying, hey, guys, here's uh, Corey Feldman in his new song. And he's introducing him to this weird 80s like set. And then Corey Feldman lip syncs this horrible song for like three minutes. What's up with the you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. What's up with the you? It's so insane. All right. I found it. You got to see it. Oh, my this. God. He looks like that villain from Pinky and the Brain. He does. A bald cap and circular sunglasses. I don't know what he's going for, why he's doing this. And the song, it sounds like Michael Jackson mixed with like a nightmare. I don't know who he's spoofing. Stern usually spoof spoof someone. Like a nightmare synthesizer. Yeah. I can't believe this is Howard Stern. He looks like he's from Sprocket. What's this song about? Uh, The song is about, it's called What Up With Youth and it's about what's up with the youth in America today. (laughs) You don't say. He looks exactly like the scientist from Pinky and the Brain. You You wrote this yourself? Yeah. You wrote it yourself? Wrote it and produced it. Let's hear for Corey right now with the song. Let's all start dancing, baby. The way he did, yeah, it's so weird. That is Look how. At, oh my god! I mean, that is how you should be reacting to his music, doing a total put on. I guess so. What Corey Feldman's angle is here? Is he like part of the joke? Is he just like celebrating He's the absurdity? Not. Feldman? Not, he is not part of the joke. No, he thinks that's awesome. He takes himself seriously. He thinks he's a good musician. He's, really? Yes. He's still doing it. I'll show you right now. This brand new song he just came out with is the most cringy. Mm. Oh, God. This is the Comeback King. I'm the Comeback, Comeback King. Oh, my. I, am I thought you were calling him the Comeback King. No, he calls himself. Look, he's wearing the red shirt. Make it sting, because I'm the Comeback King. Get you down on the floor, they're going to keep it. And he thinks that's really good. Like, really good. Yeah. In fact, he released a box set. He keeps coming out with songs that are worse than the last one, yeah. and you just can't help but laugh at it. <laughs> it's so brutal. And now he has a box set that he charges hundreds of dollars for, and I heard an interview where he was like, and this spans my entire career from the 80s till now. You got B-sides and unreleased tracks. C- C-sides. And- God. Yeah. <laughs> and then, get this. If you buy the autographed version from his website, he adds on another $150. Oh, my God. 
He, is the balls his on this guy. autograph worth even a dollar? No, five dollars. He hasn't been in any movie for like twenty years that I've, I've I haven't seen. Yeah. Not since Meatballs Four with Jack Nance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, rest in peace, and uh, that's it. That's the Corey Ham story. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, check us out on Instagram at Death and Entertainment, YouTube, TikTok. Yeah. Find us everywhere. Send us an email, Death and Entertainment at Gmail Yeah. And that's about it. That's about it. Until next week, guys, don't go dying on us. See ya. You have just heard... A true Hollywood murder mystery. I have never seen anything like this before. The movies, Broadway, music, television, all of it. A place that manufactures nightmares. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Good night. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon.